Hello curiously chaotic humans welcome back to the show this is the episode 5 of this series where we're going to talk about aliens and extraterrestrial creatures today we have our favorite guest back again on the show to talk about this topic please welcome dhananjay hello friends welcome back and today we are going to talk about alien life does alien life exist so for that please welcome dhananjay to our show again hi dhananjay uh, hi shanki thanks for having me again you're hey. welcome <laughs> it's fun to have curious people on the show who can talk about lot of things in life to satiate all the curiosity that all the listeners have Yeah I mean the last time I was here we talked about colonization and uh, when well, I guess this topic isn't far off if we consider that so I guess today we are going to be talking about extraterrestrial life yeah so aliens what do you think <laughs> do aliens actually exist or do they live among us yeah um they probably exist um but they probably aren't what we perceive them to be i mean generally i mean as we talked about this the last time as well mm-hmm. uh, generally when we talk about aliens uh, mm-hmm. people think little green men people think those gray aliens with long fingers or uh, people think jadoo but um, uh. it is very much more likely that aliens are or like extra rather we shouldn't be calling them aliens mm-hmm. extraterrestrial life is probably some single celled or some multicellular organism which is very simple so um, we have more chances of finding a single cell organism mm-hmm. much more than we have chances of well finding little green men well i've seen little green men on a lot of movies so we have actually found those let's try to find the real ones um like you said like single cellular microorganisms can mm-hmm. be like extraterrestrial life on any planet right could it be on any moons or is it possible that there might be extraterrestrial life that can live inside sun at that high temperatures uh definitely not because uh, i'm pretty certain that inside these i mean the temperature inside the sun is much more than 50000 degrees celsius so anything surviving inside there is quite impossible mm-hmm. uh, but so there is this very well known theory called the fermi paradox um, mm-hmm. which says that there is a high probability of there being intelligent alien life and the theory goes something like this that there are billions of life uh, there, sorry there are billions of stars within the milky way um milky way is somewhere around i think 50000 uh, 50000 light years long approximate it's 50000 light years is, is the radius so it's somewhere around uh, 1 lakh uh, light years in in diameter uh, which means there are billions of uh, billions of planets uh, sorry there are billions of stars which are similar to our sun mm-hmm. uh, and some of them are much more older than the sun mm-hmm. now it is very prudent to assume that some of these stars mm-hmm. quite a few percentage you could say 30% or 20% or even 10% of these stars might have planets in their habitable zones mm-hmm. uh, meaning they would be just right for fostering life of some kind mm-hmm. uh, now 
the theory goes something like this that since these planets are much more uh, sorry these stars are much more older than our own sun which means that life should have evolved on these stars or 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 within these star systems quite a while ago probably millions of years ago mm-hmm. uh, and even if this life were to travel or were to begin to traverse the stars at their own pace or or at an incredibly slow pace uh such as what we are trying to do right now i mean we in the in a, I, th- i think the last time when i was on your show we talked about colonizing so i think we are taking those baby steps i think we are just dreaming of colonizing uh, other celestial bodies uh but given that there are certain star systems which are billions of years older than our sun hmm. it is quite possible that life might have developed in these star systems billions of years ago and they might have propagated or they should have technically propagated throughout the system again billions of years ago so the question is where is everybody and this is exactly what uh, astrophysicist enrico fermi had asked um, in the 1950s mm. so there is an overwhelming evidence that stars can support life however we don't see any life and that is the fermi paradox what do you think that's a very good take on uh, extraterrestrial life so if you consider this same scenario uh, like we on earth uh, like human species is a predominant species mm-hmm. and we have i think pretty much reached the extent of evolution a human species can i mean natural evolution probably natural evolution yeah and let, let's take uh, the actual scenario of global warming and within like let's take like a century or so the temperature would be so high that it would be literally inhabitable i'm taking probably the in a million years, years. So probably yeah. in a million years or probably in a billion years okay uh, let's take a billion years and it will be completely inhabitable so where would human civilization be actually be so if you like are, are even certain that humans are going to survive that long probably I mean, not so that's the same case scenario when you're saying okay there might have been civilization in another system another star system in our own milky way oh definitely and they definitely. have lived and died a long time ago uh, that's why we cannot see them uh, that is quite possible because we have been looking for alien civilizations for what like 70 years hmm. we discovered radio waves little little somewhere around 100 years ago plus or minus 10 Mm-hmm. uh we've been actively looking or we've been actively indulging in radio astronomy after the world war so we've been looking at the stars for a very short amount of time and given the overwhelming evidence i think mm-hmm. it's wrong to assume that there's nothing out there when all the odds are stacked against it it might be very well possible that there have been ancient civilizations which mm-hmm. existed in the past mm-hmm. it might be very well possible that there are alien the alien civilizations existing right now in this galaxy but mm-hmm. due to the size the sheer size of this milky way mm-hmm. i do not think it's possible to communicate with them in real time unless we have some faster than light mode of communication mm-hmm. so the lag of communication yeah again what we talked about the last time So yeah. so when you're talking in planetary terms hmm. it's a few hours but when you're talking in stellar terms hmm. it's years it's thousands of years Yeah so what do you think is the possibility of alien life in our own solar system Now, quite 
high actually i mean well not quite high but there is a certain possibility um so for example uh, we we have definitive proof that water once like liquid water once existed on mars um we know this because there are canyons and there are uh, geological features on the surface of planet mars mm-hmm. which suggests that there might have been water flowing there might have been rivers and seas within the planet mm-hmm. and uh, one theory is that after the planet somehow lost its magnetic field probably due to rapid cooling of its core mm-hmm. uh, the planet was no longer able to have this protective uh, electromagnetic field around itself mm-hmm. and because of that slowly and steadily uh, the planet started losing atmosphere and uh, the water boiled off i mean but we still have some water in the form of solids at the poles mm-hmm. uh, but yeah so at one point of time if liquid water did exist on mars it is highly possible that somewhere in those crevasses or somewhere in those deep caverns there still might be liquid water existing which might harbor micros you know microscopic life it's very possible similarly you know jupiter's moons or saturn's moons mm-hmm. it's highly possible that now, now given that these uh, these celestial bodies are very far away from the sun so they aren't receiving uh, huge amounts of solar radiation to um, to get the heat well if all i mean if you if you look at earth mm-hmm. um we have we found life growing in the strangest of places mm-hmm. uh, biologists have been able to find life in deep sea you know thermal vents uh, so like in the depths of the mm-hmm. ocean where there is where, where the light from the sun can't even reach it's completely dark there the water is frigid cold mm-hmm. um, but we found life surviving because of the undersea thermal vents um and if life is able to survive in such um such tough mm-hmm. environments it's mm-hmm. very possible that we might find some single cellular or multicellular life in the seas of these celestial bodies so it might be very possible that we might have life other than on, on planets other than earth uh, i mean in our solar system i have i have another theory basically Uh, right that theory basically is uh, if there's a extraterrestrial life uh-huh. let's not consider them to be constrained with the laws of physics or chemistry where life can only be formed with a carbon cell or a silica cell body mm-hmm. uh, considering like a life could exist in another dimension altogether and that dimension is so far beyond we cannot perceive them they cannot we cannot see them we cannot touch them but they do exist and it's same for them they cannot see us perceive us or touch us so alien life could exist here at the same moment at the same time at the same place without us even realizing there's a alien life or a extraterrestrial life existing uh, actually um, there is a science fiction book which is written in the 1800s uh, mm-hmm. it's called flatland Uh, if i'm not mistaken it's written by uh, edwin abbot or something uh, yeah i i think it's edwin abbot so the flat this novel flatland uh, mm-hmm. or this novella mm-hmm. talks about life existing on different dimensions uh, so i think the premise of this book is that if you are a single dimension being mm-hmm. you there are, there are there are only two possibilities either you exist or you don't right yeah. Yeah. Uh, but if you are a two dimensional uh, being you have length and breadth right so um, 
the theory goes like this that if there exists beings which live in the which live in two dimensions mm-hmm. okay they, they don't have height right and because they have never heard the concept of height mm-hmm. they don't know how to imagine it like for for their brains it's very difficult to imagine anything uh, anything remotely near 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 the third dimension which is the z axis which is uh, height mm-hmm. now uh, what the book talks about is that suddenly in this two dimensional plane of existence there enters a three dimensional being mm-hmm. right but because of the physical constraints of these two dimensional beings they will not be able to perceive this three dimensional being in its in its entire glory instead what they they're going to be seeing is a sectional view of this said three dimensional being like for example if if it, if it were like a ball uh you know uh what flatlanders would see would be a point which then grows to its maximum diameter and then shrinks and then blinks out of existence so there could be a theory where one flatlander after you know encountering a three dimensional object mm-hmm. could be like i've seen something it just emerged out of nowhere it grew to its maximum size then shrunk again and disappeared and probably its his friends are calling him that you know is is going not so something but mm-hmm. that's very possible now given that our brains are designed to think in three dimensions it could be very possible that at this moment i mean it's not far off i mean mm-hmm. theoretically mathematically it's proven that there are multiple dimensions mm-hmm. so technically there also could be life which exists in multiple dimensions but we cannot perceive them and they cannot perceive us because we live in entirely different planes of existence and again i think we are bounding on pseudo science a little bit <laughs> that's fine hmm. but yeah i think could be a possibility like a being on a higher level of dimension that could be god right i mean not god but like okay so arthur c clark uh, was again a science fiction writer and by now you might have guessed that i am a huge science fiction nerd hmm. but well arthur c clark said that any technology which is sufficiently advanced is indistinguishable from magic right so if you probably showed the techno if if probably early humans mm-hmm. who who lived on the banks of river nile mm-hmm. saw the technology that we had i mean you and i are sitting about 1000 kilometers away from each other and yet we are talking to each other like we're sitting right next to each other yeah right we have things in our pockets which are able to access the knowledge that the entire mankind has so mm-hmm. this would have been akin to magic for those people now just think about this if you know thousands of years later when the technology is sufficiently advanced enough us right now would think of that technology as magic so it's entirely possible that there are life forms who have such advanced technologies that we might think of them like gods oh. i mean doesn't mean they're gods it just means that they have science wow so everything pulls down to science basically so the science that we understand right now the physics that we understand right now is just the thing that we understand right now it's something which we cannot contemplate to understand yeah maybe why not i mean who knows who knows what technology will be like 1000 years from now who knows how it will be like 10000 years from now like who knows how humans will be actually you should you should totally read this book uh, called hype okay so two books right so if you want to talk about this technology and everything uh, mm-hmm. the first book that i would uh, tell you is dune which is like an all time um, 
science fiction classic uh, it's written by frank herbert if i'm not mm-hmm. mistaken okay. and this thing uh, okay so so the dune book is on the premise that uh, we humans have given up computers mm-hmm. and now we have human computers okay it's trippy just just read it and this probably uh, you know like like this any technology which is sufficiently advanced is indistinguishable from magic so this dune book actually i would say describes it wonderfully where these people are consuming this drug called the spice and this drug gives them superpowers sort of superpowers wow. which enables them to perform highly complex calculations in their own brains sort of i mean and that's all i can say without giving anything away but okay. yeah so the so first is dune and second is hyperion so 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 hyperion yeah hyperion series like hyperion fall of hyperion endymion and rise of endymion if i'm not mistaken um but these four books also talk about a sufficiently advanced civilization about how uh, so so again hyperion is based on a trippy concept it it it, it talks about these time tombs mm-hmm. and these time so you and i and everything else in this world and this universe is traveling forward in time right okay. but then there are these things called time tombs which travel backwards in time yeah it's 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 pretty good this like yeah but yeah the concept's pretty trippy so you know anybody listening who's interested in science fiction and especially you shanky because i know you are <laughs> read dune and you know hyperion and there are audio books are out there so just like go through them these are really good recommendations pretty interesting actually so like okay just solar system okay agreeable like there might be life there there, there is life here Dude. what do you think like outside solar system like if you consider uh like living beings on planet earth do you think there might be a similar being out there outside of our solar system yeah well of that course i mean why not living being but cannot is not as smart as a human being well um so there's this theory of uh, the great filter um which is that uh, again this is this is related to the fermi paradox uh, and it says something like this that if uh, there is intelligent life existing hmm. uh, and there is a reason that it's not abundant as much as we expected to hmm. and then there could be this great filter this barrier where hmm. where all life is not able to cross that barrier so there could be two possibilities for humanity right now either we have already crossed the great barrier mm-hmm. right so great barrier could be something as mundane as uh, life developing or life evolving from a single cellular life to a multicellular life or rather the existing existence of a life is is in itself the great barrier mm-hmm. because uh, i think evolutionary biologists still believe that life was formed in these uh, shallow pools mm-hmm. where certain genes of proteins linked together and formed chains of amino acids mm-hmm. and uh, after that we know that amino acids are obviously building blocks of life and that is how life had started mm-hmm. so the great filter or the uh, yeah or, or the great barrier could be something as mundane as that or it could be maybe you know discovering nuclear fusion or you know discovering nuclear fission something you know as science scientifically advanced is that uh, we never know I, and i forgot what the question was what was it the question was about life existing outside of oh yeah uh, definitely 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 uh, i mean why not right i mean there are 
thousands of uh, not even thousands there, there are millions of planets out there you know in in our very own galaxy you know we're not even at this point you know theoretically considering the entire universe like mm-hmm. god knows how many you know we we cannot calculate that however we can we can calculate the 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 number of uh, viable planets and mm-hmm. and i think fermi's paradox states that there are at least at any given time mm-hmm. 10000 stars in our milky way mm-hmm. which are capable of harboring intelligent life why haven't they communicated to us yet again like we talked about this right so we've been mm-hmm. only listening to we've been only listening for answers mm-hmm. for what 70 years so it's very i think it would be very arrogant to just assume that nobody's tried to contact us because uh-huh. we've been looking for such a small time so i mean compared we don't know whether we've been contacted or not so compared to the life that human being have lived uh we might have been contacted we might not have been contacted we will never know i mean i mean there are several hypothetical explanations for this like so, so, so i think one of the explanation was that um no other intelligent life has arisen like like life might be insanely common in our milky way as i have talked before singular life multicellular life plant life or even to an extent animal life hmm. but sentient intelligent species haven't arisen or maybe the development of sentient um, species is rare i mean honestly shangi when do you think humans would have been considered sentient would you consider neanderthals as sentient well yeah i mean how do you define sentience something which has intelligence to solve any problem no i think i mean okay i would define sentience as when the being has the ability to question its own existence it's sentient like uh, you and i we can ask the question why do we exist or like we have a sense of self hmm and i don't think um, okay like like we know for sure that primates like the current primates monkeys are obviously not sentient hmm correct uh, to an extent we believe that dolphins might be sentient hmm right um similarly i don't believe that the neanderthals or the ones who or you know osteolithic i don't know how to pronounce that um but no, no worries yeah <laughs> i'm sorry but um, so before neanderthal so, so, so i'm talking about the evolutionary stages right mm. so probably what uh, 3 lakh years ago or 4 lakh years ago we we know for certain that homo sapiens have evolved can you fact check that uh, um yeah sure i mean i'm pretty certain human life evolved some 2 3 lakh years ago but i think i'll need to fact check that but uh so before that life had existed on our planet for a million years hmm but oh so it, it, it's 5 lakh years ago hmm and uh, around 3 lakh years ago yeah i was asked correct about 3 lakh years ago uh, homo sapiens uh, appeared in africa so before that they were homo erectus uh, hmm well yeah okay i'm going to pretend we didn't say that okay <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah so we've existed for what 3 to 4 lakh years ago so before that life existed for about mm-hmm. a million years mm-hmm. uh, uh for for millions of years before that right mm-hmm. but you couldn't consider that sentience right mm-hmm. and even when there was sentient life 
it was not until very recently that we could make our presence known to the universe right we discovered radio waves mm. about a century ago mm. right so uh, one thing is for certain that whenever there is intelligence the technological growth is exponential it's slow at first but when yeah. it when there is growth it's like exponential growth yeah so probably we haven't been look been looking out there for a very long time Mm-hmm. might be the reason that we haven't heard from anyone mm-hmm. because like in our 300000 years of existence 70 mm-hmm. years is a very short amount of time probably yeah. we might not encounter it probably our our descendants you know a few lakh years down the line might uh, discover it mm-hmm. but interestingly we have uh, made attempts at contacting extraterrestrial life uh, i mean if you're Uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, if, if we talk about SETI, or if we talk about the Arecibo message, yeah. or if we talk about the Pioneer uh, on Voyager space probes. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Like SETI had discovered this wow signal mm-hmm. that was very famous throughout. Uh, it was supposed, it was said to be like something from like a alien life form. uh they received a signal for a few minutes and then they realized okay this is something new this is not a local signal it's something from extraterrestrial life actually um i think before we uh before we <laughs> before we jump to the conclusions that they were aliens i think mm-hmm. it's much more probable okay so 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 this is how the wow signal went right mm-hmm. um it was a matrix Mm-hmm. and each number on that matrix represented the signal strength uh, mm-hmm. and and the telescope was scanning uh, that particular mm-hmm. section of the sky mm-hmm. so uh, what the matrix represents is so, so each number represents the signal strength right mm-hmm. and the signal strength was programmed to vary from 0 to 9 mm-hmm. right but if you look at the wow signal uh, we see a lot of letters over there mm-hmm. right so what happened was the telescope encountered a signal which we don't know because we were just analyzing the signal strength we yeah. weren't analyzing what the signal content was mm-hmm. um, so for a brief moment we received a signal which was much more stronger than the normal cosmic background radiation mm-hmm. and because of that instead of giving us numbers from 0 to 9 the computer started adding letters because the signal strength was you know multitudes higher than what it was programmed to and that is mm-hmm. why you see letters like e g f j and the 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 astronomer just circled it and wrote wow because you know that had that was something we had never seen ago but mm-hmm. it could be something as mundane as a, i mean it's not a pulsar obviously but it could be a very natural cosmological event i mean there was mm-hmm. a time when astronomers thought that you know pulsars were a source of extraterrestrial life but then it turned out that it's just mm-hmm. a star which is spinning very fast mm-hmm. so reading of signals so like there was a time when they we could not actually understand what the signal from the cosmos actually meant now mm-hmm. we know better yeah i mean exactly i mean if we had the kind of technology we have today if we had it back then probably we could have been able to analyze it further mm-hmm. probably and prob- i'm pretty certain there are more chances of it being completely natural I mean okay um I don't know if you follow astronomy but a few years back um, there was this huge um, huge ruckus about tabby star uh, uh, have you heard of it no okay so um generally uh, if i'm not wrong this is about kepler space telescope uh, okay. 
they were observing a section of stars in mm-hmm. the sky yeah. and they found one star to be dimming much more unexpectedly i would say or much much more variably than how natural stars uh, dim so mm-hmm. so generally uh, okay so this is related to exoplanet hunting okay mm-hmm. if astronomers have to hunt for exoplanets mm-hmm. what they do is they keep on observing a star mm-hmm. right and then there are two ways you can identify um, whether a star has exoplanets or not and how many exoplanets a star has so okay. the first method is you keep observing the star mm-hmm. and when a planet passes in front of it mm-hmm. the the light emitted by the star dims because there's something you know occulting the the light yeah. uh, second of all uh, gas giants or even planets as big as earth have their own gravitational pull so mm-hmm. as much as the sun is acting its forces on the earth the earth mm-hmm. is acting on the sun because you know every action has equal opposite reaction yeah so when these planets pass in front of their parent star mm-hmm. the star also tends to shift a little bit because mm-hmm. of the weight of the planet so using these two methods we are able to identify the amount of exoplanets a star has now um, tabby was a or is an astronomer who was mm-hmm. observing the star and mm-hmm. she found that the star is dimming unexpectedly mm-hmm. uh, and then suddenly <laughs> the internet was uh, the, the, the the internet had gone viral with the possibility that you know there is that that the star is being surrounded by dyson swarm mm. um, and now dyson swarm is something entirely different uh, like if you have to discuss that then we could talk about uh, probably kardashev scale uh, but basically uh, astrophysicist freeman dyson had suggested that uh, once a civilization reaches type 2 civilization mm-hmm. uh, okay so so damn i am going com- i'm rambling i think i should <laughs> no 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 it's good like you said type 2 civilization like what is type 1 civilization <laughs> okay i'm sorry i i i yeah i get a little bit excited um, <laughs> but yeah so um prime uh, so so kardashev scale is is a scale which is used to designate the apparent power of civilizations i would i would say okay. um type 1 civilization is a civilization which uh which has basically consumed all the resources or or, or which have harnessed all the resources of their parent planet hmm a type 2 civilization hmm. is a civilization which has which has basically tapped the entire or or which has harnessed the energy of their entire star and a type 3 civilization would be an intergalactic civilization you think star trek or you think star wars that's a type 3 civilization nice um, okay. but freeman dyson suggested that when a civilization became strong enough mm-hmm. uh, their energy requirements would be very high mm-hmm. and the only way they could sustain themselves would be by directly feeding off the sun right mm-hmm. so right now we are just like like earth is probably thousands of times smaller than the sun right yeah. so we are only receiving a fraction of light emitted by the sun yeah. most of the other light is just going off into space hmm. so probably what they will do a few thousand years later when humans have evolved uh, would be they 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 construct something known as a dyson swarm hmm. which would be these satellites which are orbiting our parent star very close 
and what they do is they absorb the solar radiation and emit it in the form of microwaves which we receive with the receivers and then convert that to energy and we use it but hmm. one side effect of this dyson swarm would be that you would see exactly the same kind of dimming which mm-hmm. tabby star was exhibiting okay and because of that people were very quick to um, point Jump out that you know what aliens because that is the whole thing <laughs> but later on i think it was debunked and it was found out that uh, it's not a dyson swarm but it's just a protoplanetary cloud so basically that star was in the process of its planetary formation and when oh. it's forming planets it's surrounded by a sea or or it's surrounded by a sea of gases and dust hmm. and that is what was causing the unusual dimming and not aliens so i think it would be i mean we, we it would have to be incredibly lucky to just see alien light yeah yeah that's true Probably. in 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 it's such a small small span i mean we've just been looking for 70 years so for us to just witness alien life within a lifetime we would have to be incredibly lucky wow so if we actually do then we literally be lucky yeah and I'm, i'm thinking about the ufo uh, videos that was released by nasa uh, not nasa nsa i think uh, just few months back uh actually i think that was debunked by someone um i think it was debunked by youtube channel called thunderfoot uh, okay. who had scientifically proven that it, okay so basically ufo just means unidentified flying object right yes, yes so right. if you aren't able to identify a flying object it can be a drone it can be an enemy plane it can yeah. be a bird yeah it's still a ufo hmm. right uh but but it it was proven that um uh, that ufo was a duck if it was a duck was migrating <laughs> oh, okay because so that yeah, debunked no aliens flying on the outer space so no any <laughs> probing probing here and there and your cows are also not getting kidnapped i mean yeah not that you know <laughs> so like just like going back to evolution so like you said like uh, evolution like basically from a unicellular to a multicellular organism just mm-hmm. taking like earth as a best case scenario where uh you there's a habitable planet with a star as the source all right a multi a unicellular organism is formed luckily or i don't know with what word you can use to actually create a living organism altogether yeah, um, I mean, it, it, things have to go in exactly a particular way i mean the protein yeah, chains have to And, and and this is us talking about a carbon based life form okay so yeah. it's a silica based life form because since silica is the second most abundant thing which we found on which we found on earth so mm-hmm. it's safe to assume that silica might also be abundant on some planets so it's very i mean very possible that some life might be silica based some other life might be hydrocarbon based so we never know so i'll just use the word lucky here because that was like precisely at that particular moment that the uh, yeah, unicellular exactly. life was formed mm-hmm. and then it grew into multicellular life form and right. then into a aquatic life form then to a land and then from the same unicellular organism there was like trees plants and the same organisms were fishes dinosaurs human beings uh would you consider like plant growing in a interstellar um space body uh as a alien 
or you will do um do you mean plants growing in space on their own or plants growing on a planet on on a planet obviously on a planet yeah definitely why not i mean plants have to be the most abundant life form out there because look at earth hmm i mean vegetation is the most abundant life well no algae is the most abundant life form on or plankton um but yeah plants are like very close i mean the different types of vegetation we have right from like blades of grass to trees it's the variety is huge so it's highly possible don't you think yeah, i do think the same like it's like so overestimated that okay alien life form means you'll find the green little men uh, somewhere on different planets but what if the planet you're looking for is habitable and has planet li- uh, plant life forms on them uh, yeah. plant obviously cannot communicate with you using satellites or some high tech uh yeah, exactly. communication so, equipments there's no, even e- even if some planets out there have life mm-hmm. but probably they are on our equivalent of medieval times mm-hmm. they are still intelligent they still know their existence they are sentient mm-hmm. but they aren't able to communicate because they haven't invented the radio waves or perhaps mm-hmm. okay okay this might sound out there and completely crazy but think about it mm-hmm. don't you think Okay so we use radio waves to communicate yeah. because of our senses because of the senses that we've developed okay yeah yeah for all we know how we communicate visually mm-hmm. right or 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 okay like humans tend to communicate audio visually we either speak or we write things down yeah right there could be entire species out there which communicate using smells wow there could be yeah i mean there there could be species out there which communicate which oh, i mean there could be an entire species which exists i mean it's very arrogant for us to and again i'm saying this is out there like okay this is like uh, conspiracy territory no it's not conspiracy it's like theoretical yeah. hypothetically speaking yeah hypothetically speaking correct yeah. exactly so currently we just assume that uh you know all life is solid why hmm. why do we assume that i mean could it be that life i mean could life be liquid maybe who knows could life be gaseous who knows uh we perceive the electromagnetic spectrum hmm. as uh, in, in in the form of light and we only perceive a very narrow part of that electromagnetic spectrum yeah right and we call that light and and we communicate and we exist or like you know we can thank most of our existence because of that perception hmm. now it could be very much possible that these aliens if they exist and if they're sentient and even if they are as developed as we are hmm. they are they are perceiving this universe in an entirely new sense altogether something we haven't even heard of something we haven't even discovered wow for them that could be very basic for us it, we've, we've unheard of it for them radio might be something you know science fiction wow. so it could be very possible that they are trying to communicate with us but we don't we don't know where because the radio spectrum is huge right yeah but we don't know where to look and we've been only looking for a very small amount of time true true but there's also possibility like you said if there was a sentient being that might have existed like even a few million or billion years ago 
human beings have already sent out beacons in space. So that beacons is usually like shouting out, hey, I'm here, we exist. Yeah, so, but you're shouting out into the void. Like it would be yeah. like a crazy man standing at the beach and yelling. Mm. I mean, there are some chances that some dude on the boat is going to be like, okay, kya bol rahe <laughs> but mostly it's just going to be unheard, right? Yeah. So I know what you're talking about. I think you're referring to the Voyager probes, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but they're traveling incredibly slow. Don't you think like we've launched them in the 70s and they've barely reached the edge of the solar system now. Hmm. So probably they would be reaching their destination. And what are the chances that those probes get captured by the by the stars that we've aimed, you know, at and then what are the chances further that the probe doesn't get lost in the debris? Because if you if you scan our our solar system with, mm-hmm. with the radar, mm-hmm. there are huge amounts of asteroids out there, right? And mm-hmm. most of them are ferrous in nature. Mm-hmm. So it would be virtually indistinguishable. I mean, this probe, if it entered hypothetically uh, a system, mm-hmm. it would be very difficult to, you know, differentiate it between a normal asteroid and you know, something man-made or, or something which has been made by an intelligence. Yeah. I mean, it could be very possible at this very time that Earth has some interstellar probes lodged in, but we can't differentiate mm. the, them with other asteroids. Mm. Yeah. Just a second. Okay. Uh, as we earlier talked about wow signal, like without knowing what is actually happening, has... Any space entity taken interest in finding out where is it coming from or what is going out there? I mean, they did try to listen to that part of the, the sky for mm-hmm. years later, but they didn't find anything special coming out of it. And this is exactly why I said that it's totally possible that it was just a one-time natural phenomenon. Hmm. Like, for example, if aliens, quote-unquote, uh, were to you know, aim their telescopes at our sun, they Mm. would most likely, after a period of time, Mm. you know, probably catch some of our radio emissions. Probably. Mm. Again, inverse square laws a bitch. So probably after a few hundred light years, we wouldn't be audible. Mm. Unless a strong enough signal was sent. But I think we have sent out much more stronger systems aimed at stars, which were uh, much more probable to have a, uh, I mean, so, so the stars which the astronomers thought could be harboring life, we have mm-hmm. already aimed some radio messages at those stars. Mm-hmm. But it's again, again, as, as we talked about before, those yeah. the, those planets need to be first harboring life. Then mm-hmm. they need to be at an evolutionary stage where they've discovered radio waves. Mm-hmm. Then they need to have radio telescopes pointed at our system at that time. So it's it's like a long shot that they'll you know receive our message. But there is this a very popular message called the Arecibo message, which was sent from the Arecibo Radio Observatory. Mm-hmm. And uh, this message uh, was consisting of numbers, like from 0 to 10, because, you know, math is the universal language. Mm-hmm. Then it, uh, talked, it, 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 it gave us... It, so, so the Arecibo message also talks about, I think, DNA. Mm-hmm. Uh, it talks about nucleotide chains. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it, it, it talks about how... Our DNA is made out of a double helix structure. It it, it it basically gave an outline of a human form and it gave a um it 
it basically designated what planet the signal was coming from. So, okay. and this was sent in the 1970s and probably several times after that also we've tried to beam messages towards the stars. I think th- th- there's one message called a teenage message, mm-hmm. uh, which was sent from Russia, uh, which consisted of us sending music to these stars. Mm-hmm. Um, because, well, again, music is again based on mathematics. It's, it's, music is just patterns which are repeated. Mm-hmm. Right. So again, we believe that if a and if if, if an intelligent uh, species encounters it they might correlate it to certain repeating patterns and they might i mean again this is again a long shot but yeah we've done that yeah so this all lies into the probability that if or if not yeah dude it's, it's like from... absolutely a long shot like i'm telling you <laughs> they need to be intelligent if they are intelligent then they need to, you know, have discovered radio waves. If they have discovered radio waves, they need to have discovered radio astronomy and they need to be interested in that. Then they need to have their telescopes exactly aimed at our star system Yeah. to receive that. So it's, it's like a long, because we've been trying to communicate with the stars for a very long time. I mean, in the, even mm-hmm. in the 60s, mm-hmm. uh, the like uh, USSR back yeah. then had again sent a Morse code message saying some peace or world or something or Lenin or something. I'm, I'm very mm-hmm. certain. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in the 60s when like USSR was at its height. Right. So yeah. we've been trying to do that for a very long time, but the chances that, you know, somebody will hear it and then reply is a long shot. And even if they do reply, we are not going to be around to, you know, get the answer. Yeah. So like a super, super long shot. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be what 50, 60,000 years when the message reaches them. And then it's, if they've received it, it's going to be another 50, 60,000 years till we get the message. So, yeah, don't hold your breath. That's what <laughs> I would say. Yeah. Okay. So, like, as an end note, like, what do you think if, like, humans actually are alien species that landed on planet Earth? What's your take on that? I mean, why not? I mean, it could be a possibility. Nobody knows how life on Earth started. So it could be very possible that life on Earth was seeded by a dormant, you know, life form which mm-hmm. came to Earth in the form of a comet or 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 in the form of an asteroid. And when it impacted, it um, found conditions to be just right. It it multiplied, it evolved, and we are where we are right now. I mean, it's entirely possible, mm-hmm. but it probably didn't happen. I don't know. It's 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 it's, it's completely out there. A lot of speculations. There. Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 yeah, exactly. You can't call that a scientific, educated guess. It's probably a conspiracy theory. Yeah, like based on conspiracy theory, the most interesting theory that I saw was like uh, when we see at Mars right now, it looks like a desolated planet. Uh huh. It's a it's inhabitable zone. Uh-huh. And it's desolated. So there's a possibility that we might have lived on planet Mars long, long time ago. And because we made it so that it's unhabitable, uh, we took over planet Earth. And now we are on Earth and we have made Earth so inhabitable that when we reach yeah, go, we'll go back to Mars again. <laughs> so this <laughs> No, but uh, actually, right, so so after the study of geological features on the surface of Mars, yeah. uh, astronomers were able to successfully deduce that 
water did exist at one point of time uh, on Mars. Yeah. And uh, one thing that we know is where there's water, there's life generally. Mm. So it could have been entirely possible that life once existed on Mars. Now, whether, I mean, it, it again has to be a long shot that somehow an asteroid got launched from mm. Mars and then it got intercepted by Earth and it then got seeded. Mm. I mean, it's again a long shot, but yeah, it's a possibility. But however, I'm fairly certain that life might have existed on Mars. Because at one point of time, Mars had liquid water on it. Mm. And water is the most important resource for life. And there's no life without water. So yeah, it's it's a possibility. I mean, back then, Mars was said to have an atmosphere, mm. meaning it was able to trap heat from the sun, meaning yeah. it was much more hotter than what it is right now. Hmm. So it's entirely possible that, you know, millions of years ago, probably life, or maybe billions of years ago, who knows, life did exist on Mars. Wow. So we'll only know when we go to Mars. Yeah. I mean, if there is any evidence of it, who knows? It's It's been an awfully long amount of time. Yeah. Like there are things that might. Yeah, they might. Mm. I mean, definitely there's going to be. So, so this is exactly why they need to, while they uh, finalize the site for landing, mm. they need to find a spot where they'll be able to study all these geological features because there is a lot of history hidden out there, like different mm. layers of, I mean, these, like, there are geological features with like multiple layers, mm. just, you know, showing us that water has existed on this planet in liquid form for hundreds of thousands of years. And it's, yeah. it's, it's it's not just a one-off thing. Hmm. So we basically have to drill down Mars. Drill down or study the features. I mean, if you look at the Grand Canyon or dude, like, I mean. Yeah, the rock actually shows the, like. Yeah, it's, like different layers hmm. show different periods of. Hmm. Uh, and then there are certain geological uh, features, which you can carbon date. Or which you can analyze to find out what era they are from. Yeah, that's that's true. That's great. So, alien life might have existed, might exist, is existing right now. Probably. Um, we'll never know. And I don't think for at least an, a few thousand years until we have discovered FTL travel or mm-hmm. FTL communication, we'll be able to communicate with them. And again, um, I don't know. I mean, so they say that... Um, during first contact, the weaker species never survives. So, what do you think about that? Wow. Okay. <laughs> That's something very ominous. I mean, do we really want first contact at this point? Because if somebody is strong enough to come to Earth, they are probably a thousand years ahead on the evolution path compared to us. True. And look, look at our own human history, dude. Like, every time... An inferior race or or an inferior, I mean, by inferior, I don't mean, some. I, I mean, by that, I mean technologically inferior. Don't, uh, yeah. Anyway, so every time a technologically inferior uh, group of people has encountered a technologically superior group of people, mm-hmm. it has almost always led to the certain destruction of the technologically inferior uh, group. Correct? Yeah. Yeah. So if we do encounter alien species uh, coming to Earth, Right. It's probably not going to end well for us. True. But like every other movie will just nuke them. 
I mean, <laughs> if they are able to travel from another star system at FTL speeds and survive the journey and then come to Earth, our nukes are not going to do shit. Yeah, true, true, true. I agree with you there. Let's see if we can talk peace with them. Yeah, I mean, there's only one reason they would come to Earth. I mean, our Earth isn't that special. Our sun isn't that special. So, I mean, our Earth, our, our sun isn't special at all. It, it, it's, a, it's a very small type of a star. It's it's medium-sized. It, there's nothing special about it. It's it's just a run-of-the-mill star. See, so, Earth is only special because it it has water and there's life form. Uh, yeah, but then, the then again, makes Earth special. Uh, then sun, again, mm-hmm. there might be. I'm sorry, what? Sun, like you'll find millions or billions of sun-like stars all over the universe. Yeah, if I'm not wrong, it's called a type M star, right? Like I think our sun is a type M star. Can you? I don't know. I think you'll have to fact check, but I think it's it's either a yeah. I think I think it's an M type star. Okay. I'm, I'm not. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, but. Uh, Basically, it, it, it's a very uh, very normal type of... So, so, there's nothing special about us. Mm-hmm. So, it's not like the... Like, if we were to be visited by any extraterrestrial species, mm-hmm. they're coming here for our resources because we have nothing special. There are planetary systems out there or star systems out there which are much, much more richer in resources than our very own sun. So, it, we can be certain that they're not coming here for, uh, you know, for you know, getting resources. Yeah. So if they're coming here, they're either coming coming here to communicate with us, or they're coming mm-hmm. here to destroy us. It's either two, one of those two possibilities. Nobody else is going to take the pains to travel thousands of light years across the Milky Way to just you know say hi. Yeah, but nobody would come thousands of years to just to destroy. I mean, like if we yeah, travel, we don't pose any threat uh, threat to them. Like maybe they can like take us away as slaves or something, but then if they are technologically advanced so much, they don't need their machineries are very well enough to do things so efficiently that they don't need anything. Yeah. Like they don't need mean, resources. They can just extract resources whenever from wherever they want. So there's this popular science fiction trope called the ants on a highway. So okay. it's like if, okay, compare yourself to an ant, right? An okay. ant is also a social creature. It lives in a colony. It's yeah. intelligent to an extent, right? Mm-hmm. So, imagine how intelligent we are compared to an ant, right? Yeah. Now imagine if the, if, if, if the same thing is true about the extraterrestrial life visiting us. Imagine if they are so intelligent that compared to them, we are ants. Yeah. Right? So, if they are building, building probably a highway, mm-hmm. right, which passes... It's, it's, it's just a thought experiment, okay? It's, yeah. It's hypothetical, it. right? But if they are building a highway which passes mm-hmm. through our solar system, do you really think they're going to take permission from us? I mean, do you take permission from ants when you're building a road or do you take permission from the squirrels or the insects when you're building a road? No, they're just no. insects. You don't give a fuck about them. Yeah. You just build shit, right? Yeah. Exactly. So, could it be possible that they would be so much more advanced than us that they probably don't give a shit about us? They would probably ignore us. Yeah, ignore us or probably crush us. Probably killing us would be just like stomping a cockroach for them. Mm-hmm. Probably. But it could be a possibility. As much as I consider this scenario, uh, being a sentient being or a creature, 
even if it's an extra extraterrestrial uh, alien being you would always be curious about new things like humans i'm i'm not sure but human beings as such are not common throughout the universe but when a being as if they are like as advanced as a human in this scenario and we as a ants in this scenario because this is first time you're looking at a new creature on the ground you definitely watch it mm-hmm. and not disturb it because it's new that you're watching it unless it's threatening you or doing something that you are being hurt or something you'll just destroy it yeah but think about it like this uh, what are the ch- okay uh, what if mm-hmm. for them life in physical form is rudimentary right what if they are so much more advanced than us mm-hmm. that they have entirely transcended this physical form that they exist only in in higher dimensions or or, or they exist in a software form or something like that so so basically they don't have physical dimensions to their body mm-hmm. right so for them any life which exists in physical dimensions would be something very rudimentary and very crude something mm-hmm. not worth saving probably something akin to paramecia or bacteria do you really think about how many bacteria you are crushing when you walk on the floor i mean when when you are walking no right i mean no. they are insignificant so mm-hmm. it could be also possible i mean it's again i mean again you might think it's i'm being cynical but speculation and a hypothetical scenario yeah again it's, it's totally possible it's totally okay i mean why not right we, universe is huge i mean universe is so huge that we haven't seen when i mean it's infinite yeah it's infinite i agree so, so in this infinite universe do you think that there might not be a life form which is transcendent physical being and again i'm not i'm not trying to be spiritual here i'm trying to be purely scientific <laughs> right there I is mean, a possibility this possibility for anything yeah i mean universe is infinite and by infinite by its own definition means everything is possible yeah, yeah there are infinite amounts of possibility yeah true wow that was trippy. infinite possibility <laughs> yeah pretty trippy <laughs> this was great great conversation with uh, you dhananjay regarding extraterrestrial life beings on in the universe huh, well, i mean yeah very trippy and yeah <laughs> I, i like being here it's it's, it's good to have you actually yeah it's very interesting and like it actually turns your brain and like the curiosity grows bigger <laughs> so that's how you try to satiate your curiosity so thank you for being on curiously chaotic thanks shanky see you next time i'd be glad to be here thank you guys for listening this was amazing episode with dhananjay on extraterrestrial life aliens If you guys like this episode please like share and subscribe to this podcast on Anchor as well as Spotify thank you guys for listening and see you next time